0: All right, so
1: Matt, I don't know if you've heard about this, but scientists recently discovered what they say is the smartest dinosaur that ever lived. They they said it actually could speak in in a way, you know, in some communication level between dinosaurs. and Like,
2: it, like Dino
1: on the Flintstone? Yeah, and it actually knew a lot of words, which I'm not entirely sure how they figured that out, but... They did call it the Thesaurus.
2: (laughs) I saw it it coming.
3: (laughs)
1: Hey, I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm doing good. I cleaned up my desk before we started recording here, so it's not perfect, but I've got a lot more arm room this episode than I did last episode, so.
2: It's like you had old McDonald's cups and, you know, (laughs) papers and, you know. coffee ring stain on a notebook there
1: you have no idea how many sticky notes i've got around it's like editing notes i'll write on a sticky note and stick to the desk and then on another note oh episode topic and i write that down a sticky note it and like last episode i had about this much space just for my uh tablet to fit in here (laughs) and there's a reason why my video doesn't go any lower than this i don't want you seeing my nasty desk so <laughs> it looks good right now, but, uh, give it a week I, of editing and researching and it'll be completely covered again.
2: Way back when I used to tell people not to leave sticky notes on my desk because I don't come to my desk often enough mm-hmm. to catch a sticky note. Right. And they didn't stop. So I would just leave them. Yeah. Okay. So I had all these sticky notes all over <laughs> from like years ago. People are like, what what are you doing with all these sticky notes? I said, I don't do anything with them. I said, people come and stick them on my desk and I just leave them alone.
1: Yep. <laughs> when I was um when I was a supervisor at the factory, I um had a desk upstairs. But like you I was hardly ever at my desk. I was a floor supervisor, so I had to be on the floor most of the day, and I, I might come up to my desk to do reports in the afternoon and some reports in the morning, or if I knew I had an urgent email from the boss, I'd run up to my desk. But like you, people would leave me sticky notes, but they would stick them on my monitor so I would see them, and usually I'd just peel it off and throw it in a pile and do what I had to do and then walk back down, and somebody would be like, hey, did you get my note? No. No. Well, I left it on your desk. Okay. How often do you think I'm there? Text me. You know call me something. So, yeah, if it's somebody else leave me a sticky note, it doesn't do me any good. But if it's me, it doesn't do me any good because I still don't read it.
2: That makes you feel better.
1: Yeah, exactly. To all of all of you who feel like you have been slighted because I didn't see your sticky note, I don't see my own sticky notes, so don't worry about it. <laughs> So real quick, we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find some different shows to listen to and some different tricks and tips on recording. And, you know, you might find some shows that you never thought were out there. If you go search podbelly.com and look for them, good network to be a part of. Um, We also want to thank tonight's sponsors, Magic Spoon, Best Fiends, and Lucy. And we'll talk a little bit more about them here in a little bit. While you're on the Internet, go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales and you can become a patron. We've got a one, a five and a $10 group that you can sign to sign up to be a part of, and you get different bonus things for, you know, depending on which group you are, you might get something different as a bonus. Um, For our $10 members, you get ad free video versions of us recording this podcast. So, those of y'all that uh, are $10 patrons, I'm waving at you now. Um, you can watch us do it, and then you can make the comment, like I've seen several times here lately, um, the faces don't match the voices. <laughs> yep, I know.
2: Still, we still get that.
1: I know, I know. And either people transpose our voices and faces, or... Um, right. Or they just go, no, it's not what I thought you looked like at all. And I mean, I get that. I, <laughs> yeah. When I oh, yeah. when I listen to podcasts, I don't envision the people that I'm hearing. Like, it doesn't fit. I'm just yeah. always curious when people hear me talk, what do they think I look like? Like, they never say what they think I look like. They just go, oh, your, your voice doesn't match your face. Well, please tell me. Continue. I want to know what you think I look like. <laughs> you know?
2: We need to get like a composite sketch of, of what people think we look like. That would be cool. Based on our voices. Today. Yeah. How different it was from what we really look
1: like. Exactly. So if you're an artist, that's something we got uh, for you to do. What Draw what you think we look like and then next to us. And we can put, you know, the real us and the, the vocal <laughs> us or something like that. <laughs> The expectation reality.
2: (laughs) That's right. That's right.
1: Um, But also, while while you're on the Internet and you're signing up to become a patron, we recently just started an account on Rumble. So if you don't know what Rumble is, Rumble is similar to YouTube in a way um, where you can post videos, watch videos from creators and stuff like that. And. We wanted to go ahead and jump on the Rumble thing, so we've got uh, we've got an account, Graveyard Tales Podcast. Go over there, search it up, find us. You can follow us, and we're going to be posting our videos there, like we do on YouTube. Now, the reason we're doing that is because Rumble has a thing now where you can monetize at any spot. It's not like YouTube where you had to have a certain amount of followers, certain amount of Uh, listening hours and stuff. It's kind of like YouTube used to be back in the old days where you put it up and it's monetized. So every watch on Rumble helps us out. Mm -hmm. It's like going and patronizing our sponsors where if, if you go and buy something from them or whatever, it helps us out because they come back and then they pay for an ad spot. Well, Rumble... If you go and listen to our episode on Rumble rather than YouTube, then Rumble, we will get a monetary value for that. So um, just being upfront, honest with you guys, that's why we're doing it on Rumble. And we wanted to get a jump on the Rumble thing. It's newer. Um, I know people have had a Rumble account for a while, but it's new to us. And we're always trying to get the graveyard out to as many people as we possibly can. We we tell you all that all the time. That's why we ask for ratings and reviews on iTunes, because it makes us more searchable. People can find the graveyard, and we're always trying to expand the graveyard. So Rumble is another outlet for us where we can expand the graveyard, and we can bring people, Rumblers, into the graveyard as well, so if you have a rumble account go over there and follow us graveyard tales podcast on there if you don't have rumble hey go sign up it, you know yeah. there there's videos and stuff you can watch on there not just us but you may you may enjoy it so go go sign up for rumble and go find us and follow us and you can listen to our episodes on there and we may put up Who knows? We haven't figured this out, but we may put up Rumble exclusives on there. You never know. So go follow us, and that way you can be the first to know if we do decide to start doing Rumble exclusives.
2: Okay, Adam, let's take a minute and talk about one of tonight's sponsors, Magic Spoon. Now, for me, growing up, cereal was one of the the four food groups okay. <laughs> right I had, I had everything else and then i had cereal now for me cereal could be breakfast it could be after school snack um you know it could be dessert i mean you know, mm-hmm. so, so i like i like cereal i understand and, and as a an, as an adult i still do but what i don't really like is the fact that when i get up at 11 12 o'clock and i'm hankering for a midnight snack grabbing something with as much sugar that's in a lot of the regular brands is is not something i want to do right so that's where magic spoon comes in so everybody's trying to eat healthy everybody's trying to eat better you don't, it doesn't mean your breakfast has, has to be boring or that you have to give up that childhood fla- uh, favorite cereal. Magic Spoon has all the flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff.
1: That's right. It's got zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, and only 140 calories per serving. And that's great. For me and Ashley, because we're going to the gym all the time, and I actually gave a box to my grandmother. My grandmother is, you know, she's got to eat healthy for, I mean, she's over 80 years old, so the doctor has told her, look, you, you, you need to eat a little bit healthier. Quit eating all the sugars. Cut your carbs down. Only have those, you know, at certain points of the day. Stuff like that. So she doesn't get to eat the cereals as much anymore. So I said, hey, why don't you try a box of Magic Spoon? And I let her try some. I let her try some of the maple waffle, and mm-hmm. she loved it. She's like, oh, okay, it, you've got me hooked.
2: It's my all time favorite now.
1: Yeah, it, it's, I love it. It's great. Um, it's also keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free, and low carb. So if you're into doing any of that, then they've got your back. You can build your own box. The available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are Cocoa Fruity Frosted, Peanut Butter Blueberry Cinnamon, Cookies and Cream, and Maple Waffle. So the ones that they've brought back that you may go, hey, I didn't hear those on your last Magic Spoon ad, are the Cookies and Cream and the Maple Waffle. And they've brought those back permanently. They had them at one point point, they brought them back permanently because everybody loved them. And yeah you know i i agree i i like both of those flavors very much the maple waffle is great uh, the peanut butter is one of my favorites but i also like the fruity flavor
2: yeah fruity is good and i i really like the cinnamon yeah because my my all-time favorite cereal is a cinnamon cereal and this one is great
1: right so if you want to join in on the magic spoon train here with us uh in you know, me, Matt, and my grandmother, then you can go to magicspoon.com slash grave and grab a custom bundle of cereal to try today. Be sure to use our promo code GRAVE, that's G-R-A-V-E, at checkout to save $5 off your order.
2: That's right. Just go to magicspoon.com slash grave to get a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code GRAVE, G R A V E, at checkout to save $5 off your order. And remember, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked.
1: That's great. Matt, that's all I've got for the intro and all Jesus my... enough. I know, right? <laughs> I talked way more this time than last time. You went on for 22 <laughs> minutes without talking about the topic at all. I hope this topic <laughs> is worth it.
2: So it may not be. It
1: probably won't be, but you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, it's going to be fun. So Matt, tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother?
2: Okay, so I I tried to come up with a way to introduce this topic uh, that was kind of you know fun and intriguing, and so I I couldn't. So <laughs> here it is. It's uh we're tonight we're going to talk about skyfish mm-hmm. or or flying rods, air rods, um any any of those terms apply, and I know a lot of people are going what in the hell is he talking about? Because that's what I said when Adam (laughs) brought this up. I was like, what? I was like, Skyfish. I said, I think there's a video game called Skyfish. Um, But, but, but Skyfish or flying rods, air rods, whatever, whatever. And there's other names too. Were discovered in the late 1990s. People found that on some type, some film, Uh, Everything from home videos to movies uh, that were seen in theaters had these strange disturbances that looked like blurry rods Mm -hmm. flying through certain areas, um, and they were kind of white-looking. But the the one unique thing was that they were so fast. Right. You know, so most of these were so fast, they were barely visible. You just you just had to try and catch one. But people started examining films for these anomalies, and they called what they were doing sky fishing because the best way to see them on a film was to catch um, frames where a, a large area of a solid color was prevalent namely the sky so like i said everything movies old television shows uh videos of sporting events anything you can think of people started hunting to try to find these and and they did Yep, and they did wild but what what in the world are they
1: that's what we're going to get into tonight. Exactly, and I've been fascinated with these things since it's been many years ago. I, I saw a Monster Quest episode. I don't know if any of y'all remember Monster Quest, but I, I saw Monster Quest episode where they talked about it. Uh-huh. Fascinated me, so I had to look into them. So I looked into them a little bit, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to throw this out at Matt because I've thought about these things for years and I I want an excuse to deep dive into these things. So graveyard tales has become mine and Matt's excuse to look deeply into things we didn't think we would have time to look into.
2: Yeah. Or didn't even know existed in my case.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So as we always say, go check our sources. Um, There's a lot of, sources down in the bottom of our show notes you can find that and a lot of this info that i'll be quoting um and i'll let you know when i'm quoting it comes from Ter daniel's website and that link is also in the show notes Um, they had a good synopsis of stuff and you can go look there i didn't grab much of the website because they've got a ton but you can go check that out um, along with our other sources so let's get into this fascinating topic. Um, you may not find it fascinating, but I find it fascinating, and that's good enough. Um, <laughs> so rods, they're also known as skyfish, like Matt said. I, I, I will refer to them as both of those, um, but they're people also call them solar entities or fulgure in French. Um, they're a really new cryptid, so they're a lot like the Fresno Nightcrawlers that we just recently discussed. We seem to have picked some newer cryptids, not these things that have been around for centuries, which is in and of itself fascinating to me that even in the past 30, 40 years, we're finding new stuff.
2: Yeah. And the funny thing was, we weren't really even trying. Yeah. You know, it's like we didn't go. Let's do some shows on the most recent cryptid. Mm -hmm. It just worked out that
1: way. Yep. It just happened to be, Um, which that's kind of the way Graveyard Tales works. The synchronicities and the weird timing and everything that happens in Graveyard Tales amazes me every day. Now, rods, skyfish, they're said to be creatures that fly around in the air at speeds so high That you really can't see them with the naked eye. Like Matt was talking about. You you can only see them when you're reviewing videos. Now. There's some discrepancies to that. Um, Some people have noticed them. We may touch on that after a while. But. The majority of these things weren't observed at the time. They were only seen later. When people were reviewing the video footage. So. They're called rods or flying rods because of their rod like shape um, that when they're photographed, you see. So, I'll quote the website here it says, quote, their bodies are shaped like long, thin rods, and their only appendages are wavy wings, one on each side, stretching the full length of, of their bodies. They move through the air by undulating these wings like eels swimming through the water, end quote. So I'll I'll mention it again here in a minute, but think of eels with like membranous things on the side of their body and they move kind of like a squid does where they, Mm -hmm. the squid flaps those two little fins on its head. That's Mm kind of what these are doing is they're like a long eel, but they've got those fins running the entire length of their body. And they're undulating movements. I just hit my mic. Sorry about that. (laughs) And and that's the way they seem to be propelling themselves through the air at high rates of speed, which will I'll get into that here in a minute, too. But it's been argued by a bunch of people that these objects are actually organic. So. It's been a topic of debate, and and they've come to the conclusion, conclusion, many of these people, that they are organic. They say that they are a living creature, and they're not some form of flying saucer. But some have said they think they may be a form of extraterrestrial life form, since they look totally different from any life forms we have now, and they have actually been seen along with UFO activity. Which... We'll talk about as well, but skeptics will say that all of these things are birds, insects, or camera trickery. And we'll—I've said this three times, I think, in the past couple minutes—that we'll talk about this later. But we're going to talk about a bunch of crap later. Exactly. Just know that um, <laughs> this being one of them. Um, but I—I f- I feel like some of it. May actually be camera issues, but it can't all be. So that's what we'll discuss at the end here. But there's actually a little bit of debate about this next section um, as to who initially filmed the rods. But we do know that there were two different events at about the same time, actually. Now, Matt's got one of them, and then I'll get the next one.
2: So so this first one is a guy in, uh, in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, named Santiago Uterra, and he had been hearing about UFO sightings in the area, so he decided to set up some camera equipment to see if he could catch one of these UFOs on film. Now, after waiting for more than an hour on the 19th of March in 1994, Uterra started to, he became restless. He got tired, he was getting bored, and he was just about ready to give up hope But then he spotted a flashing light and started filming. Now, the light disappeared quickly, and he waited around to see if it would come back, but it never did. Of course. So, Yutura decided he would uh, take down his camera and replay the video to see if he had captured anything on film. When he looked at the film, he could see the strange light of the UFO but then a few frames further on, uh, Utera saw something else. Okay, what after the UFO had disappeared on the film, Uterra noticed the brief appearance of these long, spear like objects which darted across the screen at an incredible speed. Now, after constantly replaying the footage, he realized that this object couldn't be a bird or an insect. In fact, it was moving so fast that it could only be spotted when the film was viewed frame by frame. Right. So, here, you know, as Adam said, they move really, really quickly, faster than what the human eye can see. And in this case, um, the one that Santiago Utera filmed. Moved so fast, the camera lens couldn't even keep up. And he actually had to go frame by frame on the video to actually see what it was. Mm-hmm. Now, he knew right then he had gotten something. You know, this is this is good. This is good. And But he wanted to know, was it linked to the UFO? Or was it something totally different?
1: So the other one, the other sighting uh, at around this same time, was um, talked about on the website. So, quote, The rods were discovered accidentally and first filmed by Jose Escamilla at Midway, New Mexico, on March 19th, 1994. Jose Escamilla has promoted video footage of rods recording uh, rods recorded during the filming of base jumpers Brandon Daruna and Andrew Bradbury at the Cave of Swallows in Mexico.
2: Now, that film at the Cave of Swallows is considered to be the best footage taken so far of these flying rods. Mm -hmm. Now, Mark Lichtel was a professional cameraman for a U.S. television show, um, and he was filming these parachutists jumping into the Cave of Swallows, which uh, is uh, San Luis... San Luis, Potosi, Mexico. I got it. I flubbed it at first, but (laughs) I got it. Now, in most cases, the rods were only noticed when the film was reviewed later. But when they look at the slow motion video, Lichtel saw numerous rods darting in and out of the frame and flying around the base jumpers as they descended through the air. Now, in one shot, A rod avoids colliding with one of the jumpers by veering sharply away at the last second.
1: And that's one thing that I want to talk about when we get to the end of this episode. So keep in mind that incident where a rod veers away quickly and goes around a base jumper. That's one point that I I have to make toward the end. To keep quoting this website, it says, since then, many more rods have been captured on film from all over the world. One of the key investigators into the rods phenomena is video production company owner Jose Escamilla. So far, Escamilla, who is in charge of a team of independent investigators, has obtained spectacular footage of photographs from a wide range of countries, including the UK, Sweden, Canada, Norway, Mexico, and the USA rods are claimed to have been spotted in the US, Australia, Canada, Mexico, Europe, Philippines and China as well, um, even though they, they don't have the footage of some of those. They have the footage of the first group, that second group they don't necessarily have good footage of, but they claim to have been seen. Now, this keeps saying, uh, keeps going with Escamilla claims to even have footage of rods underwater. So, it's not only an air thing, Mm -hmm. but apparently these can go from air to water. And at the Cave of Swallows, there was a documentary talking about it, and Jose is being interviewed. And one of the investigators says um, that the Cave of Swallows seems to be a hub, like a nesting ground for these rods. Mm -hmm. And the reason he thinks, is because it's like a cenote. Um, So a big hole in the earth with water down there. And it's a tube that goes to other holes in the earth. Um, A lot of y'all probably know what cenotes are, but he thinks that they live around that area because they can easily transition between air and water. And this is a place that has both in a small contained area where they can stay hidden and feel protected you know a lot of um a lot of animals flying animals like um well swallows for one but bats and everything else also live in areas like this because of that they they are able to stay protected so why wouldn't if this is an organic being why wouldn't they as well but Escamilla's discovery has been controversial since he went public with it now, he states that his evidence shows why rods or something other than insects, birds or problems with camera artifacts or shutter speed, um, which is what many of the insect theorists claim. And Matt's got some stuff a little bit later on the insect theorist, which I have my problems with, <laughs> believe it or not. I know it's weird that I would have problems with debunking (laughs) theories, but
3: I
2: was fixed to say, is it is anybody surprised that Adam has a problem with
1: (laughs) the insect theory? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that I have a problem with people trying to debunk things. It's that every time we talk about someone debunking things. I, who am not a highly educated man at all can poke holes in it very easily. So why are these supposed experts picking weird explanations for things that my dumb butt can poke holes in? Right. You would think that if these were experts and they had a good theory, I wouldn't go, oh, well, here's the five problems with it that I just thought of offhand. Mm-hmm. Give me a minute, and I'll have five more. That I would go. Yeah, that that sounds logical. That makes sense to to my my layman brain. Yeah, but if if my dumb butt is able to find that many problems with it, I I don't think it's it's a good explanation. And and that's why that's why I get so animated and angry about some of these debunking things.
2: Yeah. But, you know, I I think there's, there's a good reason um, that you're able to poke so many holes in these theories that are developed by intelligent people. And it's because these intelligent people, I say in quotes, they're not interested in finding out anything more than... A theory that will debunk anything that's, you know, paranormal, cryptozoological, anything like that. So once they have one that they're satisfied with, they're done. The research is complete in their mind, and they go no further. So if it's plausible to them and they can move on, that's what they do. You know, they, they debunk it, and they move on to the next thing.
1: Yeah. Why, quote unquote, You're, waste any more of their time?
2: Correct. So they're not going to keep digging to find a better explanation. They're going to find one that they like, and this is going to be it. And that's the case in with this insect theory. You're going to see why. I mean, it's not like they just, it, it's better than the, it's an owl theory.
3: Oh, I, yeah, I, absolutely. I assure
2: you, it's way better than that. Yep. Um, and but, I can
1: actually kind of understand this one a little bit. Where I can't with the owl thing. But, yeah.
2: But I think a lot of it is the people that are really doing the research are the ones that believe it's something else. But they're also the ones that the scientific community are looking at going, you're nuts. Why are you spending any more time or resources on this? Yeah. Well, if we don't, we're never really going to know.
1: Exactly. If we leave it up to them... It's going to go unresearched. Uh So we have to do the research. So this says, quote, Jose Escamilla is from Roswell, New Mexico. And when he decided to put together the website, the name rods.com was already taken. So he decided to register Roswell Rods because Roswell is in fact his hometown and the place where he filmed some of these rods. And the website, the website, presents evidence collected over the many years of research, and since that day in 1994, over 48 million people have visited the website and thousands have submitted photos, video clips, and written reports from experiences they have had with rods. What is extraordinary about most of the written reports submitted by people from all walks of life are that some of them have relayed information that only Jose Escamilla and his team of researchers had found out for themselves information that has never been released to the public started coming in from reports made by eyewitnesses from different parts of the world. So that's fascinating to me Mm -hmm. that it's like in a, a, a murder investigation, you don't give out all the information that way. If somebody comes to you and relays something, you can go, wait, I didn't give that out. You know more than you're saying. Or you're actually credible because you know this and I've never released this information. So only somebody who was there would know this.
2: Or you're the killer.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what's happening with this is he's not releasing all of the information that he knows. And it's coming back to him from eyewitness reports. So that kind of lends a little validity to this argument. And the other thing about this that surprises me is there are thousands of people who have submitted photos and everything, yet, this is not a worldwide topic being talked about. It was picked up a little bit in the 90s. There's been a show here or there that has talked about it, but it's not something that, like, Bigfoot. We're getting reports of uh, can, Canadian news is doing reports on somebody who saw a Bigfoot in some small town. They're not doing, oh, hey, we got rods here. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know why. I think it mainly because of the debunkers that we'll talk about have convinced everybody that it's artifacts. It It's video artifacts or video trickery so they're like eh that's nothing you know we're not we're not going to give it the time of day but since we're talking about what it could be what people say it is let's look at some possible explanations like different rod theories and speculations and even even though there's a lot of people with differing opinions On all the footage of these rods, there have been some close examination done of the videos, and this examination has uncovered quite a few consistencies. Now, analysis has shown that the rods look like they're cylinder shaped creatures or something like that, and they have, they range in length from 10 centimeters to three meters. So that's three inches to nine to 10 feet. Mm -hmm. So, wide range. Of sizes. They're not all the same size. And they seem to be able to travel at speeds of up to 300 kilometers per hour. So that's upwards of 186 to 187 miles per hour. Now, I'm just going to say this right now. The fastest bug that we know of is the dragonfly. And I think they said it flies about 40 something miles an hour. So, I I won't say any more. Just keep that in mind when we start talking (laughs) about insect theories. If the fastest bug we know of is the dragonfly, and these things are moving at 187 miles per hour, just let that sink in for a little bit. Well, they seem to fly by making some undulating motion with a solid membrane that's on the sides of their bodies. This membrane seems to move or vibrate at a high rate of speed. It's been said that it's similar to how squids move, like um, I was talking about a minute ago, by the way they flap their fins on their bodies. So that's similar to these rods. Now, quote, In 1997, Escamilla attempted to gain scientific recognition of the phenomena By taking a selection of his footage to zoologists and entomologists from the University of Colorado. They were totally baffled, states Escamilla. All they could say was that it was unlike anything they had ever seen and that it deserves further study. Biologist Ken Swartz has been investigating the rods phenomena since 1998 and says rods appear to be biological, but without a physical specimen. It is difficult to say anything conclusively. They seem to be amphibious as they have been seen entering and leaving water. Perhaps they are born in the sea and emerge into the air? Mark. Speculating from the eyewitness testimony of people who have seen them, Schwartz maintains that they appear to have some similarities to the family of creatures known as cephalopods, such as squids. There have been descriptions of them expanding like a balloon and rapidly deflating, he states. So they could be using a mechanism similar to a squid which sucks in water and jets it out for propulsion, end quote. So that's interesting. His theory is that maybe they are amphibious, like at the Cave of Swallows, like Escamilla has said he's seen them underwater. So what if first part of their life, they're underwater and then they come out to do whatever they have to do? Mm -hmm. So one thing that people argue is that if they're actual creatures flying around us all the time, then why haven't we found bodies of these creatures? Well, it's the same kind of argument that we see when we discuss Bigfoot or other cryptids. Well, Quote, Schwartz explains that if the rods are indeed similar to squid, they will not have any hard body parts and so could decompose without a trace. Schwartz points out, if you look at the fossil record, there's only one creature that ever lived that had the rod mode of locomotion, and this was the dominant predator of the time called animalacris which lived in the sea during the Cambrian evolutionary expansion 400 million years ago. According to Schwartz, the creature propelled itself by a row of plates or fins that vibrated in a similar manner to the membrane seen on rods. It is possible that Animalacris is the evolutionary ancestor of the rods. And I'm about to talk about that, too, but.
2: Adam, let's take a minute and talk about one of tonight's sponsors, Best Fiends. Now, you may be kicking back this summer, you know, enjoying, you know, the the last bit of heat and sunshine and just hanging out, just trying to to rejuvenate and refresh. Well, sometimes your brain needs a little bit of rejuvenating and refreshing from the, the stress of the day. You know, work, kids, any of that stuff, and maybe you just need to take a break and play Best Fiend. So r- right now, I'm challenging myself to try to beat, you know, ten levels every week. Right. And it's not it's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> and and trust me, you know, I'll 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 pull up and have about you know five or ten minutes to spare, and I'm whipping out my phone and i'm trying to beat you know another level and i may spend my whole time and never do it you know it took me a, it took me a day and a half to beat one the you know last week
1: mm-hmm. well and you know that's because you and i are not as smart as ashley and amanda <laughs> um if if we were as smart as they were we would be a lot further along but we still enjoy playing the game even though we're not as good as our spouses are But, like for me, when I go to pick up Michael after school, I got to get there at, you know, a, a, a good amount early for pickup. Otherwise, all the other parents are going crazy in front of me and I can't actually get there to pick him up because for some reason, school pickup is a nightmare. So I get there early and I just have to sit. So instead of just sitting there being bored and watching other parents' inability to park, I'll actually pull out the game and start playing best fiends because it helps pass time and and it's a good way to kind of escape that weirdness of kid pickup time It, it gets me into the world of killing slugs and and matching you know the the color matching game and stuff like that so it's fun And if you want to join us in this, you can download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends for free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends.
2: That's right. You can go and download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends.
1: There are different possibilities here that have been put out by different people and they were compiled together. Um, so I'm going to read the arguments for each one here in their own words. Now, Animalacris was put forth not only by Schwartz, but by Jim Peters. And he says Animalacris was the largest creature on the planet when it lived 525 million years ago during the Cambrian evolutionary explosion. Fossils in Canada are up to two feet in length. Some in China are larger. Animalacris was so successful at the top of the food chain that it survived for 20 million years. Animalacris shares some of the basic physical characteristics that we think rods possess with its long body and fins running down the middle of the sides of its body. Today, we can see the efficiency of this propulsion method in cuttlefish. Being predators, animal lacrosse and cuttlefish are agile and quick. So I'll, I'll try to post some pictures they have of the animal lacrosse on um, Patreon there, so you can see those, but you can also look them up. Now, one of the other ones is the prototerra goats uh, that was put forth by Dave Blackburn. This was featured on the History Channel's Monster Quest, so... This is one that I saw on that episode it says, quote, the day after Jose and Jim Peters flew to London in November, I found Stephen Dalton's book, The Miracle of Flight. It was there that I began to learn of the work of Professor Robin J. Wooten of Exeter University in the book on page 39 is where I found the strobe flash time lapse photo of the physical model of Proto Terragote that was built and photographed by Dalton. Wooten drew a picture of what he deduced the proto must have looked like, and Dalton constructed a physical model that matched Wooten's paleoentomological vision. So I thins- synthesized the notions that the rods that are being filmed and-, and videoed by Jose and his associates around the world are the modern day descendants of the primitive proto Entomologists led by Wooten and his colleagues explain that prototeragotes are the extinct missing link that had to exist, emerging sometime during the 70 million year period between the emergence of crawling insects and the emergence of winged insects. According to Dr. Robin Wooten, a rod is a prototeragoat, a hypothetical ancestor of today's insects. This is the model um, that Wooten built. Um, so I'll put that in Patreon as well, but think of a tube with flaps on the side of it. That's what a prototerra is. So we've got, now that we've got a little bit of that and we've got some thoughts on maybe what they could be, animal lacrosse, or something different, we need to go into the theories and the debunks here of what this could be.
2: Okay, so theory proponents say that there is no possibility that the flying rods can be known objects. So it's got to be something that we haven't discovered yet.
1: Yeah, I'd say I lean that way too.
2: Now, all of the evidence centers around the photographs uh, and the flying rods that are caught on tape and on film. Now, there are also non-photographic pieces of evidence like ancient cave drawings that can be depicted as the flying rods, but no one, and I mean really no one, has shown the desire to make an active case for the evidence, so it really, as Adam said, it doesn't get it it's overlooked, okay? I mean, you know, Escamilla is the leader in this, and it's just, it's just been kind of dismissed.
1: Yep, and well, he's like, so, a video editor. He's not a scientist. That's right. So that's right. you know he's just
2: it, he's just the one that that you know witnessed and published this phenomenon, and you know now now he's you know the 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 expert on flying rods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but but since the evidence is based on only the video and photographs. The theory of this phenomenon isn't well supported because the evidence is flawed. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. With the motion blue effect of, quote, fins on a flying rod, it's consistent with an insect beating its wings very quickly. So here we are. This is the insect theory that we're talking about. And the you reason you finish that,
1: and then I'll tell you my argument.
2: argument. Okay. So the, re- the reason they determined that the evidence is flawed is because they've determined that in at, at certain uh, shutter speeds, an insect beating its wings, flying along a path, will produce a very similar image. Now, after analyzing the footage, it's clear that the object's can't be possibly as big as they're reported to be, uh, or they could be easily seen without the use of camera equipment. And in addition, it they say it just isn't possible for video to be able to capture something like this without it being visible to the naked eye. Investigators propose that rods are just tricks of light, which result from how images, mainly video images, are recorded and played back. In particular, the fast passage before the camera of an insect flapping its wings has been shown to produce a rod-like effect due to motion blur if the camera is shooting with relatively long exposure times, as, as I mentioned earlier. So when you, you know, I think most people understand how a camera shutter works. You have know, it, it, you've, you've got a closed, a, a, an opening that's, that's closed, and it's going to open up and let in light, okay? If it's a film camera, it, the light is going to hit the film, okay, and, and create the image. It's a digital camera. It's going to do the same thing. It's just not going to produce, you know, the hard image. It's going to be translated into pixels, and you get the image there. The image you get is based on how much light comes into the lens while the shutter is open so everybody has tried to take a picture of somebody running or a fast car and you get them developed and you look at them and you're like, eh, it's nothing but a bunch of blurry lines. It's because the shutter stayed open too long and it captured, and it captured whatever it was at several points in time before the shutter closed. Okay. That, that causes a blurred effect. So what, This insect theory is saying is if there is a very quick-moving moth beating its wings, flying in all directions past the camera, Okay, it's moving fast enough that when you look at the video, you're going to see that blur effect, and it's going to have the appearance that the up-and-down wings are giving it an undulating appearance. Okay. Any kind of video, it's absolutely going to be undulating up and down, but it's nothing more than that. And that would be why you wouldn't necessarily see it with the naked eyes, because you wouldn't necessarily notice a moth flying by. Or there may be tons, and they're just moths, and you're not paying attention to them. But then when you watch the video, you're not thinking about picking up all these insects. You're thinking about whatever it is you're filming, and you see these things.
1: I I can see that on some, but here's my argument. If if it is slow shutter speed on a camera, then it would show up on still footage, right? But it would be a long, like it, it would go the length of the, The frame. It would start outside the frame, and then you would see a tube kind of moving up and down, and then the undulating thing of the wings, Mm -hmm. right? If it was a video, let's say a long exposure night shot, then, and you see that, you do see this a moth comes into frame, but it's a long, windy, trail of this, and it's wrapping around, moving around, going up and down and everything. The rods are, they have a stop and a start to them, and this stop and start, this whole tube moves through the frame in different areas. Mm -hmm. It's not one long tube going the whole length of the, the video, which is what you would see if it was an insect moving like that. So the, it's not like the the moth flaps for this foot-long thing, and then it teleports 15 inches in front of it and then starts flapping again, creating a space in between. The, mm-hmm. They're separate, you know, moving that way as a tube. It's not an entire strip of moth flying. So that's one of my issues with it. The other is we're not talking about just on still video cameras. We're not talking about just on night cameras. We're talking about high-def digital cameras that people are using to film skydivers and stuff like that. So you want a fast shutter speed. You want fast frame rate to be able to catch these divers clearly diving into the cenote. Or You're seeing them on major motion pictures. People have caught them on major motion pictures. They're not using crazy cheap slow shutter speed cameras that would cause a a motion blur of an insect. They're using high definition film cameras Mm -hmm. and they're still getting rods moving through the frame. Right. And then think about what we we're talking about earlier, the diver and a rod came and dodged around the diver, the skydiver, to avoid hitting it. You would see the diver blurred out in a long like it would be a long tube of a diver and a long tube of a moth going around it, but the diver would pass the moth before it even got to there. Which means this thing is flying fast. They have calculated the speed of these things, and it flies faster than any insect we've got. So I don't see how you can put all that evidence together and then come back with, it's a moth. It's a bug on a, on a frame, a weird frame camera thing. It's been on so many different cameras. It doesn't act like a bug would act. You've got multiple of these things seen in the the same video footage, and they're dancing around, and I still say if it was a moth, you would just see tracers, S-shapes and circles and everything in mm-hmm. front of the diver, the skydiver. You wouldn't see a skydiver perfectly clear going down, and then a foot-long rod flitting around in in frame Mm -hmm. i i just don't see how you can put all that together and say ah yeah it's just a bug and a bad camera it doesn't make any sense to me
2: well the debunkers explain it this way it says uh while while the central rod is actually a time-lapse image of the body it shows the full distance traveled during the field exposure time the effect is more pronounced with large, long-bodied insects, which have broad wings and fairly slow wing beats, such as mantises or grasshoppers or katydids, um, or, or insects that have completely opaque wings, like moths. Now, on video equipment, equipment, which resolves the two interlaced fields of a single video frame, which are captured successfully, uh, successively and then displayed as alternating horizontal lines, The rod effect uh, can be uh, seen to alternate from one field to the other, producing the distinctive gaps between the successive images. So this is how they explain the gaps, where it looks like they're, as Adam said, it would just look like one long thing. This, the way the video is rendered, is, is their attempt to explain why you would see the gaps, making it look like there's multiples of them flying behind one another. Now, similar results can be used by using standard film if, as we said, there's a long enough exposure and or a, a strobe light effect which lasts more than a single wing beat. In other words, you can produce the rod effect with the right equipment, lighting, and subject. Okay, so we're we're going we're going in this in this particular direction with this insect theory. Now, on August eighth and 9th of two thousand five, China Central Television aired a two part documentary about flying rods in China. It reported the events from May to June of that year at Tonga Zingyu Pharmaceutical Company in Tonghua City in the Jilin Province, which debunked the flying rods. This is how they did it. Surveillance cameras in the facility's compound captured video footage of flying rods identical to those shown in Jose Escamilla's video. Now, getting no good answer to the phenomenon, the scientists at the facility decided that they would try and figure out how to, you know, what it was, and attempt to catch these creatures. So huge nets were set up, and the same surveillance cameras then captured images of rods flying into the trap. When the nets were inspected, the rods were just regular moths and other ordinary insects. So later, investi- investigation, later investigations proved that the appearance of the flying rods on video was an optical illusion created by the slower recording speed of the camera. Now, this represents empirical evidence which shows that the rods themselves can be captured and that they are indeed ordinary insects. And this documentary also addressed claims that rods were capable of flying at speeds impossible for insects, showing that video cameras cannot be used accurately to measure speed if the distance from the lens to the moving objects cannot be determined. So in, in short, what they're saying? is it? this isn't a a trick of light this isn't a oh look if you you know this is a hoax okay that's what it's saying you know it, it's saying that this is how we did it this is how we think other people could do it it's not that difficult you use a slow shutter speed and this is what you're going to get and we did it and look it was insects okay this is the way i feel about this one That was insects and they had to set up equipment that was designed to capture exactly that. Okay. Exactly. So they were going after this elongated um, image, a blur image of an insect, knowing it would probably look like the rods that they saw on the security camera. Now, My problem with it is, number one, they used a slow shutter speed. And Adam was already talking about, if if you're filming guys base jumping into the cave of swallows, you are not going to use a slow shutter speed. Nope. Okay. Otherwise, your subject, the parachute jumpers, they're going to be blurred. Yep. Okay. So if you're using uh, high speed equipment. Then why would you catch this blur?
1: Yep, exactly.
2: I mean, you know, that's problematic to me. And then in the other case of of the the fact that they caught them on security cameras, who uh who has a security camera that captures high speed video? I know mine don't. No. I mean, I can I can watch live somebody walk across my yard and and tell that it's somewhat delayed Mm -hmm. i mean it's not a perfectly smooth stream by no means i mean i can see movement but it's it's it doesn't even capture it as good as my webcam does right but
1: it
3: it
2: does the job but but the thing is if if these are the two cameras in china that they use to capture these things neither one of them were high speed enough to be able to say this is indeed an effect that's caused by by just insects.
1: And like you said, they were going after that. So they set it up intentionally to look like that. Mm -hmm. So they made their outcome. They went in with, this is what we're going to do. And you can't always take that credibly when someone says, yeah, I mean, I'm going after this result. And I'm going to prove this result. You you have to go into it saying, I'm going to film this and then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But giving Escamilla the benefit of the doubt, he is a video editor. So he would understand the slow shutter speed, the but, blurring effect.
2: And that's a that's a fantastic point.
1: He knows the speed of these cameras probably better than we do. And he would know, okay, this is not something weird because this is a motion blur. But if you're filming them in relation to things quickly moving that are not blurred, you can't tell me it's motion blur, just motion blurring these tiny little insects there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And them saying, well, you can't, if you don't know the distance between the camera and the thing, then you can't tell how fast they're moving. Well, there's a a drone video of a guy who caught a rod on his drone video camera. High definition, you know, it's a four K drone video camera. And he normally does like what what is it? Not landscape, but he goes out and he films different natural areas in 4K with his drone flying above, you know, like Natural Geographic does and stuff like that, and he was filming something, and he went through the process of breaking down how he determined the speed of this thing because he knew the distance between his his camera and the tree that it flew past. And he knew where it was in relation to that. A bird had just flown by, and he saw that, and it didn't blur out. Mm-hmm. And this thing, he calculated at about sixty something miles an hour, going through. So he was able to do the math and figure out the the speed of it. Mm-hmm. I just, I think, yes, the motion blur can explain some. But it would explain some on security cameras, on night vision cameras, stuff like that. But it's it's not going to explain the high definition cameras that these have been caught on.
3: Yeah.
2: So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stomp on Adam's uh, theory. I know by saying this, and he he may want to chime in, but um. So let's say, for example. You're using high speed equipment. It's not necessarily has to be high def. It has to be high speed. Okay, so it's got to be able it's got to be able to capture images that are moving very quickly um, without you know blurring them out. Okay, so let's say you're you're you've got this high speed camera. You you film you film a, a NASCAR, okay, and you, you've got that camera that's right there on the start finish line, and those cars are coming through anywhere from one hundred and fifty to one hundred and eighty miles an hour, okay. So here they go; they blur a little bit, okay, a little bit at a, at a still camera. If the camera is not moving, they will blur a little bit, okay. But you can still make out what it is, mm-hmm. okay. So if you're using the same high speed equipment and you're filming and you catch these rods, wouldn't it wouldn't it make sense to think that if it's that high quality of of a camera, would you not be able to pick out what it is? I mean, yeah. Would even if so? Let's say if it's a moth, if it's a a a grasshopper or a Katydid. How fast do those things fly? Not as fast as not as fast as a dragonfly. No. Nope. So let's say you're 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 filming a dragonfly at 40 miles an hour. Guess what? It's not going to do. It's not going to blur.
1: Yeah, and like you said, if you've got a strip of motion blur at the very end of that strip, you'll see a dragonfly. Mm-hmm. You'll see the body of the dragonfly. Or at least enough that you can pick out, oh, yeah, that's a dragonfly. That's an insect. Because, like the NASCAR um, analogy, there may be a motion blur behind it, but at the very end of that motion blur, you go, oh, hey, that's a NASCAR. Mm -hmm. I I see it. It It's a car. I can tell. Sure, it looks like the rest of it's blurred out. It's like if you're filming your dog running across the yard, you may get 15 legs running across, but then at the end, you get a picture of your dog. Yeah. But it just has 15 legs coming out behind it. Yeah. So it's not going to completely change or completely wash out the image if you're using a decent camera, which a lot of these are on decent cameras. And it's not going to make it look like it's a a finite end to this thing, a flat Mm -hmm. finite end of the deal without having some kind of identifiable feature to it. Yeah. So like I said, I understand this can happen on some and I know people will say, well, I've, I've seen it and it has been moths out. Yeah. If you've got a, a deer camera out in the thing and it picks up some motion, it's night vision. It's not high quality. It's slow shutter speed because it's at night to pick up a lot of light So yes, things are going to blur, but you're going to be able to tell this is an insect Mm -hmm. or something of that nature. So I I don't think this explains all of them. I don't, I will not accept that as a blanket answer for everything that's considered a rod. Especially if you're photographing this thing going in and out of the water. How many dragonflies do you know that pop in and out of water like that? They may land on water, but they're going to land on it. And then you go, oh, hey, it's a dragonfly. It landed on water.
2: But there is one that does. And Anthony Westcamper uh, took photos of mayflies along the Van Dusen River Mm -hmm. and was able to successfully reproduce photos of flying rods using long, again, using a long exposure.
1: Yep. Intentionally going Intentionally after long exposure. Intentionally using
2: a, a slower shutter speed. Now, if you know anything about mayflies and, and you know, I got up close and personal with about a million of them this weekend um, <laughs> being out on the boat. Yep. Um, there, I had no problem at all seeing mayflies with my naked eye. Yep. Okay. I saw a ton of them. But what they do is their larval stage is spent in the water, okay? And once they're ready, they emerge from the water and take off, Yep. okay? So if you happen to catch a hatching and saw a ton of them just come up out of the water and you took a picture at a long exposure, then that's probably what you would get. Okay. Mm-hmm. mayflies are small they have you know translucent wings um you know you wouldn't necessarily be able to pick it out of a motion blur um you know so sure i mean he was able to reproduce this and it and it does kind of fit with all the you know they've, they've seen them coming out of water and all okay so now they're all mayflies I don't know, uh, but again, it, it's that uh, that whole, I'm going to purposefully take this photograph with a long exposure, mm-hmm. knowing that that's what it's going to produce. Again, yep. they're not trying to capture flying rods. They're trying to debunk flying rods. Yep. But again, if you're going to go into it and you're going to use a long exposure and you're going to say, this is what it's got to be, then you are not saying, these other people are mistaken. You're saying that these other people are hoaxers,
1: hoaxing. Yep, they're because hoaxing. They yep.
2: would be purposefully using the same scenario with a long shutter split shutter, uh, long shutter uh, exposure, and that knowing full well, like you said, you know, Escamilla is a video editor. He knows full well what would happen if he did that.
3: Yep, yep.
2: So. I just, I don't know. I mean, it, it, this would this would be a long way to take a hoax.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And, and you would have to say that all of these videos that you see out there are hoaxes. Mm-hmm. But I go back to if you're going to use a long shutter speed for something, everything else in or long shutter exposure, I mean, um, slow shutter speed then everything else moving in your video is going to be blurred as well. Right. You can't set, oh, I want these objects captured with a quick shutter speed, a quick exposure, but I want the rest of it to be captured with a a long exposure. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So everything in your photo, you would have a man-sized blur, like a man sized rod
3: mm-hmm.
1: and then moth sized rods. I just, I don't, I don't see that as being the blanket explanation. And I hate that they keep putting it as a blanket explanation because you're basically brushing it off. And like you said, calling all these people hoaxers, mm-hmm. not mistaken. You are saying they are intentionally faking this footage and yeah. putting it out there.
2: Yeah, simply because you could do it, but the only way you could do it was to fake it. Yep, exactly. So, you know, there's, there's a there, there's a lot of ways that people have gone about to try to produce these images, um, but especially with that video from the cave of swallows, I don't buy it. I, I, nope. I that's the one. That's the one video that I always will go back to and go. This is that's why they say it's the best because it it's it's got to be the gold standard because you've got so many frames of reference you know you've got yep. items in focus you've got um you've got moving people in focus and yet you've birds got, as well you got birds yet you still see the rods so like just like Adam said if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna do this and you're gonna slow that shutter speed down to try to create that effect with insects everything else is going to blur too that's moving and nothing else in that video blurs nope all right so let's say that you take all of that and you come to the conclusion that flying rods are not insects there's something else when you open that door these theories take a A huge turn, okay. Yep. So, so let's go over a few of them, and then, and then I know Adam's got a theory, and it may be one of these, but he's going to talk more about it. So, these flying rods may not be made of matter, which would mean that that would explain why they're not uh, they're not visible to the naked eye, but you can catch them on on film. The next one. Why you
1: can't find bodies?
2: Yeah, and you don't find bodies flying rods are made of electromagnetic fluxes or some other form of energy i don't hate this theory i don't either okay i mean it 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 it, it, it kind of shades in the direction that that i would i would be more apt to go i'll believe this over the insect thing
1: paranormal like say it's, it's an energy being like mm-hmm. we believe some paranormal stuff is
2: right Then some say, uh, that flying rods are made of some undiscovered fifth phase of matter other than solid liquid glass and uh, glass,
1: glass is matter,
2: (laughs) solid liquid gas and plasma. Okay. Maybe. I think that one is a little bit of a stretch. Now this one, if, uh. If flying rods could have evolved from the organisms that are native to clouds, okay, uh,
1: cloud I'm, beings, okay,
2: clou- cloud beings, cloud creatures, some type of some type of living organism.
1: There, there have been there have been theories put out there that in our upper atmosphere. There are creatures that live in our upper atmosphere that have been captured at some points that apparently some uh, astronauts have seen while going through that some of these high flying jet pilots have seen that there are creatures that live in the upper atmosphere that are not like the creatures that live on Earth. They never land. Yeah. So if we're going along that theory, I don't know that I would call it like a cloud being, like it's made out of the same stuff clouds are. But if we're thinking that that may be the case, that there are entities in our upper atmosphere, maybe, maybe.
2: Yeah. This last one is my favorite, but it it may be the, the least plausible. Air rods or flying rods, maybe tears in reality or condensed strings, which, you know, that string theory is the a theoretical physical entity posited by the string theory of physics. And you know, so, pick one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, they're all, all over the map. Um, yep. Uh, you know, although, you know, this one that they're made of electromagnetic, electromagnetic fluxes or energy is one that I, I tend to lean toward. I don't think that one's as crazy. Um, but because we don't know, um, because the only evidence we really have is is video and photographs, it's, it's extremely difficult to study these things.
1: One of... There's one theory out there that they are alien beings that have, like, tagged along or uh, been released from UFOs, maybe. Um, well, I've,
2: one I've thing, seen where they thought they were either an actual alien creature or yep. some new form of of spacecraft.
1: Yeah, like a, know, a drone or something. Yeah,
2: bo- I've seen yeah. both, you know, theories posted, so.
1: What what I kind of lean toward, and this may uh, some people may go, oh, that's just as improbable as the string theory thing, but or the cloud being thing. I I think we all know that I am and Matt are of the theory that there are parallel universes that smash up against ours, and if we're gonna take my stack of pancakes theory of universes then we do have some that are touching our universe at all times there's a possibility that the universe that is touching us interacts with us on a regular basis but because they are out of sync is a, is the best way i can think to put it, out of phase with our universe running on a different electrical grid type thing, Mm -hmm. that they may be in the same area as us, but we can't see them. So there is is a realm all around us that is interacting with nature and and everything, but we, we don't ever see them. We don't know they're there. So what if the rods are actually a creature from that universe that are phasing in and out of our universe. They may not look like rods in their universe, but that's how we see them as they're flying through our universe. Or it always comes back to fey realm for me. What what if this is something in the fey realm that Again, we can't see, we don't know is there, but we catch glimpses of, just like we catch glimpses of other fey entities, and we have stories of these fey entities that interact with us and mess with our houses or or uh, create good fortune for us or help us out or something like that. What if what if this is the same thing? It's in the fey realm. Mm-hmm. And we're just catching small glimpses of what may be a larger entity or this is the entity. It's a rod and that's just how it is, but it's flitting in and out. And the reason we don't ever get bodies is because they don't live here. They're just kind of flying through and then they dart back out through another little rip and go to their their universe. That's where I land. And that that may be crazy, but, you know. I think it, it they're around us all the time. We just don't notice them. And occasionally, we happen to catch them on video mm-hmm. and see them. And that's why we don't see them with the naked eye. They're slightly out of phase. It's like you see a flash of lightning. Well, if you just see the flash of lightning with the naked eye, it's real quick. Bang. Mm-hmm. And gone. It's a flash. But when you use a camera... You can slow it down and catch it, and you can see it do, 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 across uh-huh. the screen. What if it's the same way with these things? On a camera, it slows it down just enough where we can actually see it, where we can't with the naked eye. Yeah. Okay, Matt. So we're all adults here, um, and and some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or unwind after a long day. I know you and I do. Um, Anybody who watches the video can see us vape on occasion, Um, maybe more than we probably should, but that's beside the point. (laughs) One of our sponsors tonight is Lucy, and Lucy is a um, nicotine company that was created to help nicotine users find a cleaner option and feel better about the ways that they consume nicotine. Their latest product that they have is a Slim Nicotine Pouch, and it contains pure synthetic nicotine, and it provides the same satisfaction that nicotine users expect without any tobacco at all, which is amazing. Lucy Slim Pouches use the newest technology for synthesizing pure nicotine in the lab, none of the tobacco, all of the nicotine satisfaction.
2: Yeah, and I used, I, I used uh, the mango which um, has a, a a fantastic flavor most of these products have either a, a weird fake artificial flavor or they're just so much mint you can't stand right right this mango mango was excellent I had softball practice okay so I'm out there I'm coaching I, I can't I can't be vaping out on the out on the field right so I put I put in uh, one of the Lucy uh pouches and through batting practice did did my normal routine for practice and it was great you know i didn't have that need to go run off the field and and have a vape
1: right and you know for me it's when we go into um into a store going shopping or anything like that i don't like crowds as we've talked about before so i nicotine kind of helps me relax in in the crowds. Well I can't vape walking through a store. That's just not cool. So I use the slim pouches when I'm walking through a store or if I'm doing some project. You know, if I'm out there cutting wood, sawing stuff up, I can't be sitting there vaping while I'm running a, a circular saw. So the slim pouches work perfectly for that. And You and I both use the four milligram. Well, they actually have four, eight and 12 milligrams that you can choose from if four is not enough. And they have three exclusive delicious flavors, spearmint, mango and cool cider. Matt loves the mango. My favorite so far has been the cool cider. It's got a a real interesting. I can't describe it. You'll just have to try it. Uh, it, It's it's, neat. It's
2: it's really hard to describe, but it's great.
1: It, It really is. So if you're like Matt and I and you do like to use nicotine but but you know you're tired of cigarettes or, or even vaping then you can try Lucy nicotine get their slim pouches and we guarantee that you will like them
2: so it's 2021 don't compromise when you're choosing your nicotine products go with the newest tobacco- free options from Lucy Go to lucy.co and use our promo code GRAVE, that's G-R-A-V-E, to get 20% off your order of Lucy Slim Pouches or any other Lucy products.
1: That's right. Graveyard Tales listeners can go to lucy.co, L-U-C-Y dot C-O, and use our promo code GRAVE, G-R-A-V-E, and get 20% off your order Of Lucy Slim Pouches or any of the other products they've got. That's Lucy.co and use promo code GRAVE at checkout. And we also have to give this disclaimer, Matt. Warning, this product contains non-tobacco nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
2: Yeah, I, you know, like I said, theories all over the map. Um, you know, really, one explanation is as good as as good as the next. You know, unless we're talking about string theory. Um, <laughs> 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 but what do you guys think? I mean, you know, we've we may have presented a topic here that a lot of you haven't heard of before. Like I said, I know I hadn't um but as you as you dig into this topic a little bit you realize okay it's not as cut and dry as it would seem without digging a little deeper and right. that's what Adam and I learned that it 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 may be easy to recreate these this phenomenon on film um but that may not be what's happening when we're talking about the videos that, you know, Jose uh, Escamilla has seen and has taken himself. Right. So, what do you guys think? Do you, do you think this is nothing more than just people capturing, you know, fast moving insects on film? Do you think it's a hoax? Uh, or do you think it's something else? Do you think it's, you know, alien in nature? Do you think it's uh, an, ener- an energy? Uh, fluctuation that you know that you can't see with the naked eye, but you may catch on film. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And and the best place to let us know what you think on this is in our Facebook group. And you know, you go to Facebook, you can search Graveyard Tales. You'll find our group. We're five to six thousand members strong. Uh, it's a really good place to uh to interact. You know, find some like minded people, hear some really cool stories. See some jokes and um, it, it's it's really, it's probably one of the best groups on Facebook and I'm a little biased, I but agree. I but I think so. Um, but you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Just go and search Graveyard Tales and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes because that is the fastest way that we move up the charts, which makes Adam and I feel good, but it also makes the graveyard easier to find. Mm-hmm. And that while, while you're uh, perusing the internet, you can slide over to our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise, like the 8-Bit Skull mic shirt that I'm wearing tonight. Uh, you can listen to the show, and you, beca- you can become a patron. And as Adam mentioned early, you know our $10 patrons get the vid- video without ads Uh, of us recording the show you get to see all of our flubs all of our mistakes you get to see us hanging out talking back and forth you get to see me flip adam a bird you know (laughs) and all this all this other you know fun and hilarity that ensues um behind the scenes so to speak well i think we've about covered skyfish as, as well as we could adam
1: I think so. I think we covered it more than most would have probably wanted us to. (laughs) That's right. But we did it anyway, dang it. (laughs) So until next time, we'll save you a
2: seat in the graveyard.
1: See you soon.
2: It's like a softball coming at me.
1: Yep. Slow and steady, but it still hits you right in the face.
2: Well, you lean in because you think maybe not.
1: Maybe it's going to take a curve at <laughs> yeah. the end. Maybe, maybe it don't. Maybe something will happen. No, nope. <laughs> like that joke. I, um, I I saw this frisbee being thrown at the beach, and I couldn't figure out why it kept getting closer to me, and then it hit me. <laughs>